Now, we have all heard the power of visualization and its impacts on achieving our goals, reducing stress, and enhancing our overall well-being. But today, we're going to be talking and looking at what is beyond the obvious and uncover some of the less talked about yet incredibly valuable benefits of using um, my new program, which is called Myth Crafter. And it is all about using um, mind movies and visualization to manifest more fame, visibility, and to fast track you into your sacred fame. Welcome to Metaphysics of Photography Podcast, where we discuss elevated personal branding for mystical misfits and rock stars, as in crystals. I am Adanis, also known as Ultra, your host. Let's get started. Okay, so once again, we are diving into the fascinating world of the mind. Um, and its untapped potential. We still focus on my movies as my new latest obsession. This is not a new process. Mind you, there's always way to there's always ways to innovate it and improve it. So obviously some of the things that I use in mind mind movies are a little bit more mystical, mythical, mysterious. I use a lot of uh, esoteric kind of um, information to create processes as well as using um, energy uh, healing and all kinds of like unconventional things to make this process more useful like uh, binaural beats and other little things that I'm gonna talk to you about. Today we are going to attempt to do something truly special or we're gonna talk about some of those uncommon benefits um, that are completely all integrated, infused, and intertwined in creating a highly specialized uh, mind movie that is science-based, is scientific, is magical, is mystical, and it works. If you use mind movies every day, Every single person who uses it for a significant amount of time has always reported getting the either identical or something in the same proximity. The only people that say this hasn't worked is anyone who has not even had the stamina to stick to it for like 30 days or 20 days. You know, someone who is not willing to do that level of focus um, may never really truly understand the benefit of any system. Like anything, you start off like learning to drive, learning to, to ride a, a bicycle, but eventually you could be as amazing as a world-class cyclist or world-class uh, race car driver, or you could just learn how to drive really well, <laughs> you know, and it just really happens as a result of starting and continuing something. So we all know about the power of visualization. We know the impact it has on achieving goals, even the most crazy, extraordinary things, right? So what would be the difference between setting goals on a regular way and utilizing um, mind movies to support you on your goal? Well, something like just setting a goal and looking at the goal every day can elicit feelings of stress, like how am I gonna get this done? 
But when you watch a mind movie specifically for your goal, there is no wondering how to get it done. You're simply looking at all those possibilities with positive expectation in a very meditative state, which instead of stressing you out like a goal can make, this is actually going to reduce your stress. So we know that when you have less stress, you're more receptive, more capable, and actually have more energy to make an impact on your goals, meaning you have the right energetic um, systems to kind of propel you towards taking actions. And not just in the in the realm of taking action, but also in the realm of hearing from beyond, right? Sometimes we don't take action because we don't know if the action we're going to take is the right action. But then if we learn to really cultivate our inner world, we can get really, really good at um, kind of deciphering that voice, that, that angelic divine voice that says, this is for you, do it, try it. And we don't have to then become so worried or concerned about, are we making the best choice? It's not a matter of, are we making the best choice? We are giving our minds a specific um, kind of focus and the mind can only create what is focused on. So the more you give the mind a certain focus, the more you can create it, right? Even in, if it's just a perception, I realized that since I started to learn more about fame, that I see more movies about fame. I see more books. I see it just has become um, something that I'm more aware about, right? My um, Netflix account looks a little bit different because of the things that I'm watching now, the things that my just my natural frequency um, or the algorithm is noticing is the topic in which I am like focused on. Okay, so because we're going to look beyond that, I just want to remind you of some of the things that are very obvious that you may already know, it's already talked about, we already know it's incredibly valuable, and there's a ton of benefit, okay? But I think that is really beneficial to look at things from multiple angles. So that way, when you feel like, no, this is, doesn't work, this is not going to work, then we can look at things like science, like evidence, like proof, and just be like, you know what, it's working, right? An example is, have you ever seen in any movies or the lot, not movies, but in the secret movie and other maybe law of attraction manifestation teachers where they say, well, I just visualize money and checks started coming in the mail. I had that experience and it's pretty remarkable. I had the experience where I was working through trying to manifest money and I started to get checks in the mail out of nowhere, not from clients, not from anything, just like settlements and class actions and blah, blah, blah. And what was really funny about it is that even though I was getting checks in the mail, I was only getting checks in the mail for like $3. <laughs> so as you can see that if you visualize something intently, it will come to you, right? It does not mean that it will come to you until you're able or capable to see it um, as being something that you're used to. So before I can attract a $50,000 check in my mailbox, I needed to go through that experience of randomly attracting $1, $2, $3. Why? Why is this so important? Because there's nothing more important and there's nothing more um, uh, catalytic in manifestation than proof. So all you need is proof and you don't need proof like a million dollar proof. For a million dollar proof, you need to have a million dollar belief and we can just, you know, stand here and, and aware that we're not there yet. Okay, cool. 
But it's kind of like when you first start playing with the law of attraction and you find a penny, that penny does not represent a million dollars. It represents that you can just find money. It represents that you're calibrating with receiving. Um, it represents that um, you are actually noticing things that you were noticing before. More money, more more um, resources all around you. So that penny is so much more than the value of a penny a cent. It's what it's representing. It's what we make it represent. And so in manifestation, when we first started uh, attracting little pennies and coins, we're just like, oh my God, it's working. And then after a while, that penny just doesn't feel like enough excitement but that's because someone did not keep climbing and keep calibrating what you need to do in order instead if you really are having those experiences already where you're manifesting pennies in small amounts you have to just drive an enormous amount of um, celebration and intentionality um, I say celebration because is not like saying gratitude gratitude means feeling grateful but I think celebration is more like um like savoring, like having fun with it. Like, oh yes, like it I, I feel like it's more it's more of um um a delight as a result, right? It's almost like okay, you can sell a thousand dollars and just be like, all right, next put that thousand dollars in the bank, keep it keep it moving. Or you can sell something for a thousand dollars and then hold the thousand dollars in your hand and just be like, oh you can put it on your heart and just be like, thank you so much. And you can create a certain savoring. And savoring is my preferred word over celebration. But I know that if I use this word celebration, you you know more accurately accurately what I'm talking about. And then after I take you to celebration, then I bring you into um, savoring. Savoring is better than celebration because celebration could be quite um, fictitious. It could be like one million followers. Yay! It could be just a show off. But when you savor, it's only something that you can experience within your body, within yourself, right? So when someone is eating a meal that's really delicious... They're not chewing really fast and eating through that meal really quickly. They're savoring. They're slow. They're breathing. They're closing their eyes and they're like, mmm, this is so good. And so that for me is a celebration. But that type of celebrating does not require anyone else. And it doesn't require you to go online and shout it from the rooftop. I do encourage you to do that if that's what feels aligned for you. But I think that there's a lot of magic and a lot of power held in the realms of mystery. Um, in the Bible, oftentimes you hear where don't let your right hand know what your left hand did. Um, oftentimes you hear things like go into your closet and, uh, and talk to God in private. You hear things like when you give to the poor, don't boast about it and don't show it off. Do it quietly. And all of it, it means that when you do something in secret, then God, right? And according to some of the Bible metaphysics, right? When you do something in secret and you do it because it's the right thing to do, then you do it because it's the right thing to do and that's the secret. You're actually not doing it to get a result. You're not doing it to get um, someone to do something for you. So when you pray for someone to be healed and then they get healed, it is not on you to be like, hey, by the way, you're healed because I prayed for you, right? Because then if you do that, like, and you can, when you do things like that, it just removes that element of, of actually doing it for, 
for the divine, for the consciousness, for the elevation of souls, even though you may have bought into the idea that bragging about things like this is good business, I would tell you that when you're an entrepreneur that works primarily as a spiritual entrepreneur, an intuitive, a mystic, that the things that work for people out there in the most traditional ways will not work for you. Your whole your whole realm, your whole system is completely different because you're calibrating to walk in two worlds. You're, you're calibrating yourself to walk 100% as a spirit or uh, as a disembodied, right? Like a, a, an, an energy. You're, you're calibrating yourself to be in that version of you, which we often call God or soul. Um, for me, God could be this energy. This energy is our soul that returns back to energy, whatever. But we can... Um, take on these smaller type of proofs so it could create a building block for having a stronger belief system. So anyways, the whole point is that I got $1 checks in the mail. I got then $2, then I got a $3 check in the mail. If I had gotten a $50,000 check in the mail, I probably would have thought it was a scam. Or I just, it's not that, um, that I wouldn't be receptive because it's not about like getting a check a fifty dollar fifty thousand dollar check in the bank in the in the what am I saying? It's not about getting a fifty k check. It's about what you're capable to receive. So even if you are visualizing receiving millions and millions of dollars, you know, through a mind movie or something like that, you may very well at the very start, just get a little trinkle, just get a hint, just get a little something. And it's going to be your job to identify that and just be like, man, I started doing this um, this fame mind movies and I started crafting my own reality. I started taking my power back. And I realized that maybe I don't have more followers, but the followers that I do have have completely changed the way I feel about social media. I just feel excited to talk to them about um, now. People are responding to my posts. It's just an interesting thing. And I'm noticing, right? Because noticing is becoming aware. And when you're becoming aware, what you want to become aware is of what it is to come, right? And what it is to come is whatever you put in your mind. Right, and you can easily take that idea from your mind and put it in a mind movie and work both from your internal and out uh, external, both working in unison to get you to your results in an expedited fa- fashion. Right, this is how you fast track your fame. Okay, so an intriguing factor or an aspect that may not be on your radar yet is called neutral flexibility. You see, the Myth Crafter Studio isn't just about visualizing your goal. It is, though, about flexing those neural connections. It's like yoga for your brain, okay? By engaging in these intricate, dynamic mental movies, you challenge your brain to form new patterns. The thing is that even to watch the movie, even to watch the mind movie, automatically new brain patterns are being created. So you are not just creating new brain patterns, but every day that you watch it, you're reinforcing those new neural paths. And so what you are actually doing is like a certain type of fitness, and you are promoting these cognitive agility and adaptability. And can you think, as a spiritual entrepreneur, as a mystic, can you see where having cognitive agility and adaptability benefits you in your business? Right? Of course. Cognitive agility and adaptability means, well, picture this. 
picture being able to think on your feet and find really creative solutions really quickly, really effortlessly, right? This is something really important to master when you are about to start getting interviews and being on TV. And I myself experienced this and it's interesting because you get a big camera in your face and people start asking you questions. Sometimes you're just like, uh. So you are going to need, right, to be spontaneous. But spontaneous doesn't mean that you're not like, ah, and you just start going crazy. Some people don't know what to do and they start like be, becoming clowns, becoming entertainers. Well, if you're a mystical entrepreneur and you want to be taken seriously, not that you're going to be like, you know, have a tight ass or anything like that. But you're going to want to come across as credible and have the most amazing answers right there at the tip of your tongue, right? So in the Myth Crafter Studios, you get to flex, to strengthen, to work out your ability to form new neural pathways. And you're not just making these new neural pathways, you are making them in alignment with what you're looking at, with what you desire. So it's not just about making new pathways. You can make new pathways to poverty, but this is about making a new pathway to your guaranteed success. Okay, so there is another little benefit that we wanna um, stress on, that I wanna stress on. Um, me and all my, all my friends, I am a Gemini. Um, so, okay. So you may be wondering how is a visualization program going to enhance my empathy? Because this is the next thing that we're talking about. It amplifies, it amplifies your empathy. So it is an empathy amplification. One of the things that you need to, um, practice uh, again, another um, workout is for your empathy. We can get very jaded and lose um, our certain parts of our humanity and our sensitivity, especially once you start acclimating to having more and more fans, more and more followers, more and more people that need your work, more and more people reaching out to you, right? You could become quite numb, quite numb and start to kind of put people in numbers and in herds and we never as a spiritual entrepreneur never want to forget that we are changing individual individual people's lives even if it's on a mass scale here's the twist right when you enter into the myth crafter studio you step into someone else's shoes through your mind movies. You can immerse yourself in their experience, their struggles, and their triumph. This fosters a deeper relationship and understanding with each other, and it cultivates massive amounts of empathy. And it is a really sneaky way to, um, what I call piggybacking, is getting a lot of things done from one process um, and, and stacking them up together so like you're more efficient. So you're going to cultivate empathy in a way that you never thought was possible. Let me tell you a quick story. Now, um, aspects of my dad, um, as I grew up and learned and studied and healed and learned, aspects of him are narcissistic. Now, I wouldn't just flat out call him a narcissist because that is a medical condition that a professional has to diagnose you with, right? Not some rando on the internet, but you can certainly see some of the behaviors. And it is not fair to call someone... Um, a narcissist if you don't know enough about their history to understand if it really is true some people could be just jerks some people could be just assholes some people could just be 
raised so rotten, so spoiled that they just don't know how to relate to other people. And that's okay. But when I, when I, when I am talking about um, narcissism, I'm very careful to talk about it because um, I don't want to use it as a popular term to talk about a jerk. That is not what I'm doing. I'm using the narcissistic traits to highlight that my dad went through an um, abuse as a child. I remember, and he's my stepfather, but he's the only dad that I remember, so I call him my dad. And I remember stories about how he was so afraid of getting beat because he had done something wrong that he would hide out. And he used, you know, he was living in the country in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico has, like, country people, too, you know, like America. <laughs> um, so he was from the country and lived in the mountains, and they were, like, farmers, per se, in Puerto Rico. And so he would go into the jungle and the trees and hide out. I mean, I remember stories about, um, I don't know if it was one of his brothers that he like, they were hiding from a beating and they locked himself into in a refrigerator and couldn't get out like a an abandoned fridge that they threw in the yard somewhere. And then somebody had to pop him out. Um, stories of how poor they were. They didn't have shoes. Like, some pretty crazy stories. And then I compare to like what he was able to survive and lived. And I understand. Narcissist, not, to be a narcissist was completely something that, um, or these traits that, that needed to, um, to emerge. Because, I mean, he was one of like 11, 12, 13 siblings. There wasn't enough mom and dad to go around. They were very poor. They were also then on top of that, the, his early childhood, his father was an alcoholic. And then after he turned um, Christian, then he was like, like a beat you with the Bible type of Christian, right? Like hardcore. Um, he was, his dad was, um, he used to beat grandma. <laughs> and uh, grandma on two occasions, at least, let me, let me not exaggerate. I think it's more than once, but at least on one occasion, we heard the story that um, my dad's dad was such a bad drunk and was so miserable that she went up to the hill to kill herself and she had a rope and that an angel, this is, isn't this an incredible story? An angel, an angel came and told her not to do it. Don't do it. He will change. And I think that he, the story, the story they tell is that, that I've heard is that he walked into a Pentecostal church, drunk off his ass and said, I want Jesus. And he like converted that day, never drank again. But then he was like, you know, and I don't know if he just continued to be physically abusive. Back in the day, Ed, I almost feel like sometimes men did not know they were being abusive, you know, like he was. I've definitely been in a situation with someone who's been so blacked out drunk that they've done really bad things. They have no awareness of it the next day. And it's quite puzzling for them too. It's quite painful for themselves to know that when they were drunk, they were hurting people. And it's really confronting. Nonetheless, what I'm saying about my dad is that I understand if he had to learn to be selfish, if he had to learn to defend himself, if he had to learn how to survive, I understand. But it, I, I understand now I'm 45. I certainly didn't understand when I was younger, you know, and that's okay because all that understanding, I did not need all that understanding then. I needed it now and now it's when I have it. What am I talking about? Well, we're talking about empathy, right? And so I believe very strongly that the reason I could be more empathetic about 
my dad, his situation, and I can help I can help to heal myself, right? Because the less personal that I take the things that were done to me, they're like, oh, okay, well, he was just a little boy that was broken, of course. And you don't take that stuff personal anymore because there's a certain level of understanding. Then forgiveness just naturally ensues, right? Like you don't have to forgive someone like, I forgive you. You simply imagine kind of horrors they went through and the kind of things they they did to survive and you can go oh okay and i don't understand that pain because probably what he went through was so much more painful than what i went through and then i have a little bit of context i could be like okay yeah maybe there was aspects of my life that that i didn't like but um i understand my dad and i've done things as as a parent that i'm like oh i don't like that i did that and i don't like that i have that in my mind and I was only doing the best I could, right? So so is everybody else. And so I don't mean to to call someone a narcissist, but someone like me as a Gemini, I am often categorized as someone who like um, flips really quickly, that has no um, like cold hearted, has no feelings. I am, mind you, I'm always crying, so I'm highly emotional. So okay, it doesn't make sense. But I am a Gemini, anyways. And so I remember that one time I also got my human design, um, some aspects of my human design. And the person was telling me like, yeah, you don't have um, empathy. I was like, what? And I was so like scared because if you understand anything about psychopaths and narcissists on a medical level, not on like, you know, online gossip, um, you understand that not having empathy is one of the things that is commonly seen in like crazy people right and i mean crazy people like um killers and you know people do like that because if they if you don't have empathy you have no way of like really understanding how other people feel and sometimes even on on a more extreme some um people who are born with their are without an ability to to understand empathy um they become psychopath or sociopath or one of those terms just because they just cannot tell when someone's happy or when someone's in pain or when someone doesn't want something done to them can you imagine how hard it must be to navigate a world where you cannot tell when someone is happy or sad and so you just make assumptions and they're incorrect <laughs> you know like it's gotta be like pretty crazy um so when and having um someone tell me these things well narcissists they have to decrease their empathy um so they can take care of themselves and then and you also learn to be like this when you're raised in abuse and da 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 and you have all these things i like got really afraid i was like i don't want to be a monster i don't want to hurt people and i don't want to ha- not be sensitive to their needs i do have a really easy pivot at hard stop like i don't care i'm done with this um so oftentimes i'll deal with, with a situation like over and over and over and over and then i'll have that like okay i'm done and a flip and done that means i never have to talk to you never have to t- to talk to you to see you to engage with you ever again and i don't even feel bad about it because in my perspective and i know this perspective is only happening within the context of my own mind but in my perspective i've given you all the the, the shots that you deserved I remember having a spiritual mentor for years, four years, four years, four years. Someone I loved almost as close as a family member. And I remember having this conversation where she was um, upset at me because I had spent $6,000 with a coach and I never would pay for her to give me spiritual mentorship. 
Um, and I was like, well, number one, I didn't know I had to pay for spiritual mentorships um, because that's not what I thought. I did not think we were in a transactional relationship. I thought that she had become close to my family. I had become close with her. I was attending her church and I was helping her with her church. But at some point I made it really clear that I was about, I couldn't help her build a church because I had to build my business and building a church is a business. It's just a nonprofit business, quote unquote. We all know that them preachers are making money, right? I don't even think we should we should have nonprofit churches. I think every everything should be um, taxable, including churches. Uh, maybe if churches were being taxed, where we wouldn't have so many churches, false churches popping off left and right, because you know that that's a huge incentive for people to just make a church out of any fucking movement. The moment you make it a religion, the mo- the moment you make it something religious. You can apply for a n- not to be taxed. So I don't like I don't I don't like these games. I think that you should pay taxes and you should make a lot of money and not give a fuck about taxes. Like get uh give Caesar what Caesar's right. Let's do that. All right. So let's continue on this really very immersive conversation. So I started to have a desire to cultivate empathy because I was like, well, I don't want to be a psychopath. I certainly don't want to be a narcissist, not because I had the deep level trauma trauma like my my father me, but I you do learn behaviors from your parents. And so if your parents behave in narcissistic ways, you're going to learn to do that, right? So it does require you to rewire and re-strengthen and cultivate and foster a more deeper understanding for others and to cultivate empathy, right? And cultivating it in this way that you never thought it was possible is really cool because it is, again, like going to this virtual gym where you're sculpting your emotional intelligent muscle. And there's so many courses out there that are thousands and thousands of dollars. For example, um, I know there's communities that you pay a thousand dollars a month to learn things like emotional intelligence. How interesting would it be that if you just simply step into giving yourself a mind movie every single day that you develop the same level or even more of sculpting and um, building a really powerful empathy and deep understanding for others. Okay, so let's just bring this to the fame, the fame thing. Do you think, or, or your business, how do you think that having this deep understanding for others and cultivating deep a deep level of empathy, how do you feel that's going to support you in your business? right? Most people support uh, businesses that feel loved and heard um, by the business, right? Especially nowadays, maybe back in the day, you create an entire brand without knowing exactly what your clients were feeling. But nowadays, that's impossible. Everybody will tell you they're like, this brand sucks. No, tell everybody. So um, more than ever, it's important they cultivate this empathy. And just to piggyback it from what we already um, talked about, which is promoting uh, cognitive agility and adaptability. Think about becoming a famous, um, well-known public person that not only strengthening your ability to answer questions in a professional way on, you know, the drop of a dime and just come out really flowy on un- rehearsed. You're unrehearsed because you're unrehearsed, right? But also to have that really strong connection for others. And that's what people feel. People feel your strong sense of connection. People feel your strong sense of understanding them at a deeper level. Another one that's a really like like weird one and I love it is all about time. I've been really um, focused on time recently, especially when it comes to death. 
um, I'm always thinking about death because um, when you study metaphysics and myst- modern mysticism, one of the things that you know is that you can access um, other realms in which you do not need a physical body for through the um, mental mecha- mechanisms, right? Through your mind. Um, you can enter into other realms. And another way that you can enter into those realms is by dying. <laughs> and so you have two ways of um, tapping into into a different world. One seems a little bit more permanent. But the other one is so cool, right? Like when you can astral travel, you know how to raise your frequency and you know how to tap into other realms. Um, the cool thing about it is that you don't need to die, that you can utilize all the information from those places, all the frequencies from those places, acclimate yourself to it, and then bring it here into this reality and change this reality. Okay, so let's talk about time. The time distortion mastery, which is what? Well, we're talking about these like elusive benefits that are not so obvious. When you uh, think about a visualization, mind movies, and the things like this, you may think, oh, well, I already know all the things about it. So I really wanted to give you some uh, sideline perspectives that you could be like, huh, I didn't know it was that powerful. I want to stress on how powerful this process is. So many of us have heard that time is our most precious resource. Um, that is, it's the only unrenewable resource, right? We can renew uh, money, we can't renew time. And that we can basically just buy ourselves more time by getting a lot of more money, having other people do the things we would be doing, and so we can do more things, right? So we all have like this distortion with time. So time distortion mastery, this is another really powerful benefit and time is at least our most precious resource in this lifetime in the context of the reality we're living we have to respect and understand time this bullshit that time doesn't exist cool but i heard um one of my friends and a spiritual um uh mentor and expert um dan mendel i think i'm saying his name correctly I actually reconnected with him um recently and I, he always says like these really short but potent things maybe as a man he communicates in a different way because i'm like well i can say that but it was gonna take me an hour <laughs> because i like talking but maybe not exactly the way he puts it he is very wise and he always brings like a really beautiful simple perspective the other day i heard him say something like there's two ways of being wealthy or being rich right there's the physical one which is material things right um resources uh money things to do experiences all the physical stuff and he threw time in there and i love that he threw time in there because we are constantly hearing these messages of time's not real time doesn't exist but someone like seth who was a channel entity uh, from Jane Roberts, would tell you that time is, is you know, in, in this context is, is something that we have to contender with. And so when I think that we tell people like, time's not real, we're really minimizing not only that we believe time is real, but that that's really not going to help us because the moment you tell some, someone time's not real and you look in the mirror, you're 45 years old and your face is old, You're like, well, it's real, bitch. And you will get here one day, right? Like you're 25, you don't actually understand the concept of time the way that someone may may perceive it. 
So time also not only carries and uh, human perspective distortion, but individual pers- uh, individual distortions within itself, right? So can you, can you imagine a tool that's already giving you all the obvious benefits that everybody talks about? On top of that, it's supporting your uh, neural flexibility, right? It's almost like, you know, how they say, like, if your spine is flexible, that's really determines how young you are. Like, you're as young as the flexibility in your spine or something like that. We also talk about that this isn't uh, an empathy amplifier. This is in, like, like a sneaky way of building um, more love. Empathy is being able to um, relate to people and to really have a powerful emotional intelligence. And the time distortion that we're talking about is also about understanding that it is really not the most beneficial thing to change, to try to change the belief system of something that is not going to hurt you, right? So to, to try to believe that time doesn't matter and time doesn't exist, right? That within itself is not going to benefit you. What's going to benefit you is to calibrate to energy. So sometimes when we talk about time, and especially today, we talk about time in context to fear. But let me go back to um, Dan's um, comment that I wanted to make a point. The point is that we look at time as a resource. So if you're looking at time as a resource and as a, um, a resource that you cannot renew, then you are treating time itself, which is a completely arbitrary thing, you know, completely intangible thing. You are actually treating it as a tangible thing, as an actual resource. We don't have time in the sense that at one point you will... Uh, die from this experience and and jump into another reality into another experience and then that within itself doesn't have maybe the time element that we have to get used to here in on earth but why on earth would you tell people on earth that time doesn't matter it matters because spending one hour with your child is way uh more important right than spending 10 minutes (laughs) like feeding your child, which feels more important, right? It feels like nourishing your child that needs food for survive, yet it's that one hour that you sit with your child that makes the most impact. So like we got to give time and respect time and give give it its proper place, but it does not belong where we think it belongs. Another thing that uh, Dan said, he said that wealth... And riches, you know, in the physical sense, include all these material things and experiences and that time factor as a resource. But spiritual health and wealth, right? It's more about like maybe on the physical sense, you have a lot of money. But in the spiritual sense, you have a lot of love. In the spiritual sense, in the spiritual sense, you have a lot of gratitude. And in the physical sense, you have a lot of friends, right? Like you have to see that wealth is something that you experience and there's two wealth and one is energetic and has nothing to do with materials but it gives the way it's the bridge to the material because you do manifest either the things that you love or the things that you hate but here's the magical mystical thing and this is why this process the way that i want to support you through it is so cool so did you know that stepping into the minecrafter studio right? Utilizing it can actually alter your perception of time because time is a perception, which means it belongs in the realm of the invisible, 
perception is just an idea. It's just a thought. It's just an ideal. So think about this. Time is seen as a physical, natural resource, as a precious, maybe the most precious natural resource. And it is an unconscious resource. It is an energetic resource as well. So um, by altering how you experience time, right, you actually change how you experience time in the physical reality. So as you vividly picture the scenarios in your mind, you can alter or accelerate or decelerate the flow. Okay, so what am I saying? The more you focus on one direction, the more you accelerate. It's like you're getting in a car and you're headed south and you're on a one-way street and you're driving, whether you're going very quickly or very slowly, doesn't matter. You're on a one-way street south and you're, you're just cruising right along. And on this same route, you notice that there's a plane right above you flying in the same direction. And it doesn't seem like it's going much faster. But before you know it, the plane is gone way, way, way ahead of you. So you guys are both, the car and the plane, are headed south in the same direction. But certainly the plane is going faster. And it's not utilizing a car. It's using a different type of vehicle. And it's going, instead of 50 miles an hour, it's going 500 miles an hour. So this is what I want you to understand about utilizing really vivid picture scenarios in your mind and how we can accelerate it. And you can also use the same thing because as you accelerate one thing, the other thing decreases. So as you focus on accelerating more towards you want to go, obviously the way you don't want to go decelerates. So the more you head south, the less you are in the north. Does that make sense? Okay, let's just talk about the idea that this is not just about escaping boredom, which I think oftentimes we do that with manifestation practices. They're not practices which help us connect to God. They're just practices that are consuming our entire day as a distraction. So this is about optimizing the time utilization. So imagine accomplishing a task in a flash or picture just relishing in these moments of this heightened awareness, right? If you want to head in the direction of sacred fame and you're watching a movie, a mind movie about fame, you are actually savoring and savoring is a very, very important part of understanding like celebration and gratitude and feeling really good and mixing it all up, right? So imagine a tool that optimizes your time instead of taking time away. Now, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza has amazing videos and amazing content and information about visualization. But one thing that's kind of a little bit hard is that his audio and his um, his audio hypnotics and meditations are really long, sometimes uh, 90 minutes long. And because I am an entrepreneur and a mom and I have a lot of projects and I'm an artist, I actually have a lot of stuff to do. So speaking on the context of time, Time becomes more precious because what I want to do is spend that time doing things I love. Most mind movies can be anywhere from 5 minutes to 10 minutes, 12 minutes. And of course, you can make them as long as you want to, but you don't really need them to be that long. The power comes from the repetition. So you can even start a mind movie that is about 15 minutes and then you can slowly just 
make it shorter and shorter until it's a five minute thing and can you imagine that a practice that within five minutes does all the all the things we've already talked about and more more importantly think about how much time you've saved instead of using um um a meditation that takes you an hour. And trust me, I am a person that creates really lengthy systems and courses and programs and meditations because that's just who I am. But even my own meditation, I have an uh, initiation um, audio that I created for one of my programs. And the other day I was like, oh, I want to retake myself through the initiation. It is a really good initiation to do once a year. But it was 90 minutes and I was like, okay, hey, I don't have time for that. Like I want to do it, but I have very systematic things that need to happen for my business to be successful and obviously they are prioritized so i could not spend 90 minutes of my day but what i could do was watch a five minute mind movie that actually integrates all these things so you become um you know proficient at uh, really kind of falling in love with your time right i i had to make a relationship with time different than than i had um, before the relationship that I have with time now is about efficiency, but also it's like, well, I need to be really efficient in my business. So I have plenty of time to do all these things that I want to do, like draw and make, um, you know, jewelry and do all these things that are just for me to do for me. And they're fun. Even if I make money off of it, right? I'm still doing it for me. I'm not making, um, a jewelry line because that is the need in the world. I'm making jewelry because I need to make it. I need to express that. This is about creating those neural paths that are already shortcuts. So imagine, instead of having, let's just look at an actor and let's pretend that, you know, that you're an actress and you want to be um, a popular one and, and win many awards. You can take the exact journey. You can say, okay, I'm just going to go on auditions. I'm going to practice my skill. I'm going to learn. I'm going to try it. And I'm going to go on and, and try it out. I'm going to get an agent. And you can go that traditional route. But what if instead of doing all that traditional stuff, you spend 30 days, right, breaking out of the time distortion? Because there is this belief that fame takes time. So in order for you to break out of that, you can spend time utilizing the mind movies to see if in fact however long you thought it was going to take was actually how long it took and not only that instead of doing a one hour process you do a five minute process a day there's no way that you're gonna let yourself off the hook the 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 more fun the more pleasure that you can create around your practices the more that you give yourself the opportunity to practice them consistently right the more sustainable that they are so it's interesting that you become a master of time because time becomes your ally, not your constraint. Having five minutes means you have time to do it versus not having 90 minutes, right? Do you see the, the, how, how, like, how you can start to fall in love with time because you're like, damn, I'm going to do this five minute process and then I have the rest of my day to do what I want. At least that's how I do it. And one more thing that I want to harp on is the lucid imagination integration okay so here is the cherry on top <sighs> the moment that we've been waiting for just kidding the cherry on top for the myth crafter studio um, the program is seamlessly integrates the techniques of inducing lucid dreaming 
it's so cool because I've experienced this already that you start utilizing your mind movies and you start having more potent dreams, more powerful dreams, and you're more aware of your dreams. Um, I wasn't remembering dreams before. And now at least a few times I've woken up with one, a dream, and then I remembered. And then the other one, I didn't have the dream, but I had a feeling. So, okay. So this is an experience I had one day. I, I, was, a, I was sleeping and I felt like someone was over me like something was over me and so when you are a mother that happens because your little boy could wake up in the middle of the night and come to your room but I opened my eyes and there was nothing there and it was like a force and I was like oh I could get scared and I was like or I could not get scared and go back to sleep but I did have that feeling of either something um either I was astral projecting or someone was visiting or something energetic was in the room and I also um made the choice not to be afraid because I come from Christianity where they make you afraid of anything. You're like, the devil is coming in the middle of the night. Ah! And so you know that lucid dreaming is extremely, extremely beneficial in your spiritual life. It gives you the ability to um, understand a lot of things about your waking state. And this is where in lucid dreaming that you can actually manipulate your surroundings and interact with your subconscious. Can you imagine being able to interact with your subconscious? This is the information we don't normally have access to. So it's like a bridge between your conscious and unconscious mind. And it's going to unlock the realms of creativity, insight, and self-discovery. And self-discovery for me being one of the most important things that your life and your business will take you through. Especially if you're a mystic. Well, there you have it. The extraordinary and often overlooked benefits of mind movies. So the neutral flexibility, the empath amplification, time distortion mastery, and lucid imagination integration are just some of the beginning of what this program has to offer. So let's just wrap it up. I encourage you to dive deeply into this content for yourself, right? Do your own research. And I want you to come into this with a fresh perspective. If you have already known about mind movies, imagine that this is a whole new perspective with a little bit more science, a lot more fun added to it. And probably it's something that if you're pursuing, you may want to just give it a shot and um, see for yourself. I think that is the most important part about self-discovery is that every system out there works. Does it work for you? That is what you have to find. Remember, the mind is a universe waiting to be discovered. So until next time, keep envisioning, keep evolving, and keep your mind open to the endless possibilities. That brings us to the end of this episode. I hope that you have enjoyed it and learned something that can take you from diamond in the rough to crown jewel. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and this show, please rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to come back for our next juicy discussion, of course, about metaphysics, photography, and anything in between. Until then, you can find me, Judy Stars, Bon Voyage.